Welcome, everybody, to the Eyes on Big Podcast, your go-to Big Ten football podcast brought to you by the Amador Whiskey Company. I'm your co-host, Jeffrey the Greek. Joined, as always, by... This is Big Kurt here. Big Kurt, you on Twitter? I am on Twitter, Big Kurt on Twitter at B1GKURT. And I am Jeffrey the Greek at Jeffrey the Greek. Thank you so much for listening and downloading the podcast. Another big week of Big Ten football that also includes the 2021 version of the Eyes Bowl. Iowa versus Illinois. Oh, yes, of course. Um, people always ask us, what are you guys going to do? Are you going to bet? Are you going to watch together? And for the fourth year in a row, yeah, probably not. No, I don't think so. I'll <laughs> Just, be at home on my couch by myself. And I will be at the downstairs athletic club by myself, as typical. Um, it, it just is what it is. That's how me and you handle it. It's I mean, nice. it, it, I, I, I like how we handle it. I don't think it would be a bad thing. I just don't need to go out of my way to watch the game. Yeah. And really, I don't know. I'm not sure I really like watching games with the opposing fans, you know? Not typically, I don't. No. Even when they're one of my best friends. It's right. just, yeah. I, I'm so stringent on who I watch my Iowa football games with. I typically don't even necessarily like to watch it with Iowa football fans. Yeah. I mean, when I'm watching... I'm a snob. It, I'm a snob like that. Well, when I'm watching Illinois, I just... I, I get laser focused on it, you know? I, mm-hmm. I, there's no really point in anyone being there. Agreed. Because uh, I'm unless, in a, it's like I have a bubble around me, right? It is. It, it's a bubble. If you are that dialed into your team, but I would say I'm a snob on uh, bourbon, coffee, and who I watch my Iowa football contest with. Okay, I'm pretty proud of that too. Yeah, yeah. There's I'm probably snob, more. I'm a snob in a lot of things. <laughs> this is, we don't have enough time. Actually, you know what? This is the perfect time to bring it up. Since it, uh, Illinois has not won in Kinnick Stadium since 1999, yeah. and my question to you is. That's been so long ago. Is that so far back in time that that it was before Kurt was grumpy? Mm. <laughs> I mean, there's a reason I used the Oscar the Grouch gif. That he was my favorite character when I was a kid. I'm not joking. I had a, so it's been in there. It's been in there for a long time. I it's, had, it's baked into the cake. Yeah, absolutely. I had an Oscar the Grouch doll. You pulled the <laughs> the string, and he would say, "It's a terrible day" or something like that. And he was my favorite. Down when I was a little kid. You would pull you would pull a string and it would be like, oh, the Illini defense is always gonna let me down. So the ninety nine I don't remember the ninety nine game, but I do remember that's one of my favorite seasons was okay. the nineteen ninety nine season. Okay. So I I yeah, I don't remember what happened in the game, but Well they won. Well, we think so. I don't know. With everything I did it get erased in the last Trust 23 me, if you years? played the Iowa Hawkeyes in nineteen ninety nine and you weren't Northern Illinois, you won the football contest. Yeah, Iowa was pretty bad back then. Yes, they were. Yeah. Yes, we were. All right. Uh so big uh a, a bubble I had to talk about here uh earlier in the week has already kind of transformed itself into two bubbles together, which what I was going to say is there's coaches getting axed all over the place yeah. in, in uh, college football. There's been some previous to the last couple of days, but it, uh, the carnage just c- continues to grow. And my point that I was going to try to make is we don't have any in the Big Ten um, by design with Nebraska because I think Trav Alberts was smart enough to realize the amount of coaches oh. and candidates that you then have to pick from was going to be completely diluted. Another... You know, reason that probably Trev Alberts made the right call. No doubt. If I had any reservations previously, I know now that he made the right call. And if two boobs like me and you are smart enough to figure that out, my guess is Trev Alberts is probably the same way. And to even bolster that even more, we don't know if it's official, but we're just going to take a a guess that it will be. Big Tuck coming. Mel Tucker, Mm. rumored to have signed a 10-year, 95 schmill contract to stay with Michigan State Sparty liking what they're seeing they're going to try to lock him down well I don't they should like what they've seen so there's there's two sides to this you're really tying yourself in for a lot of money for a long time so the other side is we don't have a huge track record I mean it looks great don't get me wrong it looks amazing actually but this is one year so will they feel the same next year like one year from now I mean, I think they'll still feel the same next year. Um, well, okay, two, two three, years. four years down three years. the road. So, like, I mean, the the closest contract that I can think about that is is Jimbo Fisher with Texas A and M. It would be curious if you ask Texas A and M fans if they think they've gotten their money's worth so far out of Jimbo. I don't. I don't know. Did I say Jimbo Fisher? It's am I? Am I 
Jimbo Texas Fisher. A&M, yeah. yeah Jimbo okay. Fisher, yeah. Um, Who I've always thought was gets way too much love. Okay, like he he won a national championship. You got to so, give him credit for that. But but boy, like is uh, that what? is that in of itself enough to prove that a coach is great and worth a contract like that? Gene Chizik won a national championship. Okay, like we could go on. There's a couple other <laughs> right. guys that probably at Orgeron. One national championship. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and nobody considers them. So why does Jimbo? Great point. I, I don't know. I don't get it. Yeah. Um, so I guess what I'm trying to say is like Mel Tucker. I, I know Michigan State fans know this, but Mel Tucker signing that contract doesn't mean you're going to have 10 win seasons every year until the contract is, is, is you know, to the end of it. There's going to be a couple years in there, my guess, where things get a little dicey, you know, but the general thought process is over a three, four year period, every two or three years, you feel like you're getting the money's worth out of that. And you, and then on top of it, you're not in the, is he going to stay or going to go market, which gets very stressful. Well, yeah, I think, you know, that's one of the reasons they probably did this right now is because there's so many openings right? and we know that he can bolt for more money. We see that he's done that before that's in his track record. But the other thing is good point in today's coaching world, you kind of have to, you have to pay. If you think you've got a guy, if you got your guy, you better pay him is a ton of money or else he's going to leave. It's a combination of the coach and the market. Yeah. Right. right. I mean, at 9.5 million a year, I believe that will make him the highest paid coach in the big 10. I think so. Right. I'm almost positive. It's more, way over, more than day. It'll get him more. It's than a day. little more than Harbaugh. Uh, what I tweeted out about the contract, uh, shout out to Tyler at Foss underscore 07. He said, that's like $10 million for every successful flea flicker he's ran. <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious. Um, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Um, yeah. So then um, anyways, long story short, that's that's big news. Um, dude, shout out to Mel Tucker. He gets the oh, good for him. Way. Because in the end, another thing I was going to point out. Essentially, your contract, this is how I see it, the years matter to a certain degree, but essentially your contract is how much is wrapped around the buyout. That That's what is, keeps a coach in town or not, yep. is the buyout high enough right. to keep him there. My guess is for the next two, three, four years, it definitely will be. But once it gets to be year five or six, if a team wants him that bad yeah. or Michigan State wants to move away from him that bad, they can. So it's not necessarily... We've signed Mel Tucker for 10 years. You've probably signed him for four or five. Is that fair enough? Yeah, that's probably fair. Yeah, okay. All right, and then uh, we had college football rankings. Again, not much changes, especially at the top. OSU still number four. Michigan still in front of Michigan State, six and seven. Um, Still still a point of of contention with a lot of people. Uh, Wisconsin moved up a little bit. They are number 15. Okay. uh, And then Iowa number 17. So I called it, by the way, last podcast. I predicted that Mississippi State would be in as a four-loss team. By God, they snuck in at number 25 is it as just a four-loss team. Is it because everyone loves Mike Leach? Is that <laughs> what it is? He's a blessing. That's what we're told. No, no, he's, he's, a he's a national treasure. He's a national treasure. He's a national that's, treasure. That's what it is. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, uh, what was I going to say? But but I was wrong in that in that same tweet. I predicted that... That the would, SEC would yeah. have the highest zero, one, two, three, and four <laughs> loss team. They had this, the so they had the highest zero, one, and four loss team, but the highest two and three loss team were actually other oh, conferences. Wow. Yeah, so we had we had quite the with oh. uh, Wisconsin being the highest three loss team of anybody. That's, okay, so maybe. that's kind of that's kind of an upset there a little bit. That's right? a huge upset. Um, speaking of schedules and talking about the SEC, Dustin Schutte, Sent this out. He had a better tweet than what I'll do it. But, I mean, here are the teams that uh, at the SEC is playing this weekend. We've got Prairie View A&M. Uh, we've got, what do we got here? We got uh, Tennessee State, New Mexico State, uh, Vanderbilt. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, what else we got? Uh, South Alabama and ULM. That, that's that's what we got on deck for the SEC. Prairie View A&M. Yeah. Have you... I mean, I don't even know what level that is, but it's got to be not not power five. I'll it's FCS for yeah, sure. Yeah. So a little late in the year for that. Wow. Yeah. Un-American is what I would say. That's what I'd throw it I, in there. But mm. it's pretty rare for a Big Ten team to play an FCS in general. But this I mean, Prairie View is that's uh, pretty low. So you're saying even for 
a lower level team, that's pretty low. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to I mean, I think they're it. historically bad, aren't they, typically? I believe so. Yeah. And I think, <laughs> if I think I'm correct, I think they just fired their coach, too. Somebody, <laughs> wow. somebody correct me on that. But, anyways, I don't think there's much more to talk about with the college football playoffs. Well, one more thing. Yeah. yeah. Back okay. to coaching. All right. And we could wait till the, till the, this game section, but Brett Bielema, head coach of University of Illinois, yep. football team will not be traveling to Iowa City because he came down with the Rona. Yep. He's not, not going to make it. Not going to make it. We, we had a borderline erotic storyline that we could have talked about, but it is no more because... I mean, it won't I, be his first time to Iowa City as an opposing no, coach, no, but it, it would have been fun. First time for yeah. Illinois, so... Yeah, uh, we'll leave the details of that, I guess, to remain, but anyways... Uh, Let's just say he did all he could to uh, make it in this game, and he was still not allowed. No, he's not. All right, we are talking about week 12 of the Big Ten season. Seven games, all 14 teams in action, all playing each other, of course. All these times are Central Standard Time and all take place on Saturday, November 20th. Quick little point here. I tried to get away from the unders, but they Keep putting I know it, man. back in. Well, they've done so well this year. Why would you? Why would you? I, I will go away from them when I start to see the quarterback and offensive play warrant it. But yeah, and I'm not saying across the board, but pretty close. Pretty close. I still have a lot of unders as well. Yeah. Okay. First game up, the six and four Purdue Boilermakers traveling into Evanston to take on the three and seven Northwestern Wildcats. This is an 11 o'clock a.m. game on Big Ten Network. Line Boilers by 11. Over under 47.5. So Vegas is saying something like a 29 to 18 win over Northwestern, which again, I always love with Northwestern because that score yeah. sounds sounds about right. 91% of the bets are on Purdue. Oh my God. That's, that's a high number. So you mispronounced it, I noticed, but isn't it spoiler makers? Spoiler I thought maker. we had to... So I thought about that, but. They're not playing spoiler maker role right no, now, so no, I think no. they're back to being. I was just kind of making yep. fun of everyone yep. that was using that for a long time. Uh, didn't point out this game's at Wrigley Field, dude. What a space there! Yeah, forgot about that. Wrigley Field. So this was supposed to be. This was supposed to happen last year. Uh, it was supposed to be Wisconsin playing Northwestern at Wrigley, if I recall correct. And obvious you know, reasons got canceled, whatever. So uh, they moved it to Purdue this year. Yeah. Um, so are they going to do the 50-yard line, 50-yard line no, thing? So, or okay. they just take away one end zone? Or? So it's a good question. So when they played Illinois there in 2010, they actually only went in one direction because they decided that the end zone was too close to the, the outfield brick wall with the ivy on it. Well, somehow they rejiggered it a little bit so they have a few extra feet there. I mean, it's not much. Okay. It's like it's like end line, like end zone, back of the end zone line, and maybe right three to five feet. And then... One would assume you you pad the walls. If it's uh, yeah, a I think the walls wall. are padded. Okay, but I sorry. But will they re, will they keep the what would now be brown ivy so that you can still see that off the sideline? I would think that would be or is or is the brown ivy one of the end zones? Well, it's one know. of the end zones. Okay, yeah. it is for sure. Yeah. All right. I'm just saying. If I score a touchdown, I can run out of the end zone. I want to touch the ivy, so I can tell my friends I did that. Yeah, but if it's life. covered up with padding, does then that you can't. then you can't touch it? Does ivy does brown ivy provide enough padding to somebody? I don't think so. <laughs> we will find out. Uh, Northwestern uh, home team considered the home team, so lost badly to Wisconsin last time we saw them. They've lost four in a row coming into this game. I was curious, looked it up. The average score of those four games is thirty-one to 10 Oof. in those victory in those losses with the closest one being Iowa sure. that really brought that yeah. average down. Right. Otherwise it would be way worse than that. I mean, what's, what is uh, uh, adding to that? I mean, they're a 125th in rushing defense. Okay. 229 yards per game. Are you going with the shooty tweet about that or what do you got? No, I didn't see the shooty okay. tweet, but so their their run defense versus Purdue's run offense. It's a it's a stoppable force versus a movable object. There you go. So was that shooty's tweet? That was pretty much exactly what he had, and I think it was, I think it was uh, Northwestern 
has not allowed less than don't sorry Dustin I'm gonna I'm gonna botch it but I don't believe Northwestern has allowed less than 180 yards rushing except for once this year okay and Purdue hasn't rushed for more than 180 okay. yards in like four years so basically <laughs> what's what's gonna bend or break or I don't, I don't even know what the terminology is but uh-huh. right now 125th rushing defense so 229 yards per game wow. uh, that that Northwestern has given up 128th rushing offense at 79 yards per game for, for the, Purdue. Okay. So that works out to an over under of 154 yards okay. per game. Are you well, going to go over or under that for Purdue's okay. rushing yards? Here's what it comes to mind when I'm thinking about it. Will Brom even try to run the like will he make a, a point of of establishing the run or will he just kind of do what he normally does where he he runs a few plays to offset the passing but he still focuses on the passing game. And that's what is intriguing about this game to me is is that coupled in with the fact that here's a stat that Northwestern fans would like to be sh- shared. They're 19th in the country for passing yards allowed per, mm. per game. They're only allowing 193 yards per game. Now, the, the you know, ha- glass half empty way yeah. of looking at it is teams don't have to throw the ball on no. them because they can run it right down and their so, throat. So why would you? But if your only identity on offense by Purdue is to throw the ball, does that then play into an advantage for Fitzy and Northwestern? I, I don't, I don't think, know. Maybe I'm such a Big Ten nerd that I find intrigue with this, but it is something to look at. Like we saw, and I'm going to use this twice in this podcast if I remember, Northwestern versus Ohio State last year in the Big Ten Championship, right? Different defensive coordinator, I get it, but they had no problem dropping definitely seven, if not eight people in yeah. coverage and essentially telling Ohio state, yeah. good luck. We, if you are going to run the ball, you need to go run the ball. Now, maybe Northwestern doesn't need to do that, but is there something like that? Okay, that but go- remember how badly they got gas. I understand that, but they kept the game close with, albeit a more talented yeah. team in Ohio state. Is there going to be some sort of chess match with that, that that's what Northwestern does on defense forces Purdue to stick with the run and do it. I, I, that is be, what I find the most intriguing. It's going to be fun to watch. Now, when NU is on offense, I'm sorry, Northwestern, and W mm-hmm. is on offense mm-hmm. and Purdue's on defense, there's no chess match there. That's I think Purdue should be able to handle them easily and keep I them would, low scoring. I would think so. Now, here I, I so found... So why the 47.5 point over-under? Like, we don't have a ton of faith in Northwestern's... Well, Offense, I guess, and we do with Purdue's defense. Okay, but I think it's because what if Purdue just scores a ton of points? But then it's only eleven point line. I found the well, line yeah. and over under right. this week. The, the I could have gone down the list, uh, break my arm, pat myself on the back here. I could have gone down the list and been within a point or two of every line and over under, except this one. I was way off. Okay. This, this did not look normal to me. Okay, so I did dig a little bit on Northwestern's pass defense, and we know Brandon Joseph, fantastic back there in the safety position, has three interceptions this year, had a bunch last year. The rest of their DBs combined have one interception. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, there's reasons to tune into this game to me. It's it's an intriguing game. I, I kind of fall under the – it's not like I'm expecting to see – Northwestern put up 38 points. Now that I said that out loud, watch them, you know, score 42. Um, so that would surprise me. With that being said, I could understand if this is a close game. I could understand if Purdue, yeah. I could understand if Purdue wins by three touchdowns. I could yes. also see a shenanigan Wait, Northwestern of course game because can. we haven't gotten it beat out of our head yet, <laughs> where you kind of walk away looking like, neither one of these teams looked fantastic. The Big Ten West gets shat on by everybody. I feel like all of those type of games are on the table. Yeah, well, here's what solidified it for me. I mean, I already felt this way, and then you gave the stat of their average being 31-10 to Northwestern last whatever many games it was. I I just see it. I see it continuing that direction right now. So I have Purdue 37, Northwestern 13. So easy Purdue cover. And at 50, that's an over. Wow. I actually have the over. You have the over. I have the over. Okay, we are not seeing quite the same game. With that being said, that was one of the scenarios that I threw out there. So it's there. But with that being said, you're not going to make – that's not your Amador double-barrel lock of the week having Purdue cover. No, it's not. Did you consider that? Because you you have kind of an easy cover there. I considered three games this week. And this was one of them. It was one of them. So I'm kind of similar to what you got. I've got Purdue 
27, also have Northwestern 13. Hmm, okay. So that's a Purdue cover. And at 40 points, that is quite a bit under the 47 and a half total. Next game up, the 5-5 five and five Rutgers Scarlet Knights coming into Happy Valley to take on the 6-4 and four Penn State Nittany Lions. This is an 11 o'clock a.m. game, also on Big Ten Network. Line Nittany Lions by 17 over under 47. Vegas is saying something along the lines of a 33-14 to 14 Penn State win. 76% of the bets are on the visiting Scarlet Knights. Oof. Wow. Yeah. So for me... I'm looking at Penn State. They're six and four, three and four in the Big Ten. No chance to make it to the Big Ten championship game. They're already in a bowl game, but okay, so what? You know, they they end up eight and four. They're still not going to a New Year's Day bowl game. So what are they really even playing for here? They're they're Either, not playing for anything. Is really what that that's the answer. Either we share the same brain, or it's just that obvious. I have the exact same notes down here. Okay, and, and now basically the only thing I say is. Is finishing the year nine and four good enough? Like, is that something not good enough as in what Penn State fans were expecting? It's not. Is it good enough to have something to shoot to for? motivate them? And my thought process is for the coaches, yes. Why? Sure. Because Penn State has a very good looking recruiting class right yeah, now. Right. So you want to keep those sure. guys around. So to me, for Franklin and the coaches, that is the number one reason why finishing strong is still important. And I have no doubt that, you know, the leaders of the team still want to want to win the game. Sean Clifford, Brennan Smith, those types, Jahan Dotson. But I, I just wonder if the whole team has buy-in here. I wonder if the offensive line has buy-in. Now, flip side, Rutgers still one win. They just need one win. You realize how excited they, this team would be to get to a bowl game? As excited as any team could be to, to to go 500 and get to a bowl. I mean, it'd be as excited as Penn State would be to get to a New Year's Day game or I, maybe I, even like be in the talk for a college football playoff. I, I, I think it's in a comparison. The other thing, too, is this is it's interesting with Penn State because both Maryland and I would say a little bit to degree Rutgers, they want to view Penn State as a regional rivalry. Yeah. Penn State fans will nah. never see them as that. I don't think the Penn State coaches do ever. But that is another thing that Rutgers sure. and the coaching staff is. But does maybe that... maybe getting a win on Penn State, maybe that snags a recruit. Yeah. Once one a year that you can, you know, keep a Jersey guy home. That's okay. more motivation for Rutgers as but well. Isn't it also you said, well, Penn State, even the coaches don't see it as a rivalry. So doesn't that demotivate them even more? Possibly. Like, I know this isn't a rivalry, not a rivalry. So doesn't that mean you're kind of overlooking them then? A little bit. A little bit. And, and, and you know, you played Michigan last week, which you definitely still view as maybe not a rivalry, but somebody you don't like. And then you got Michigan State next week for Penn State. Right. Kind of a sandwich game here. Well, On top of that, though, like, I just, as far as like more of an X's and O's, I just don't know where the offense is going to come from from Rutgers. Well, especially like, still a good Penn State defense, especially because Penn State is so good at stopping people in the red zone. That means that you have to have big plays. Rutgers is not a big play offense. No, I mean they're going to actually have to grind it out and 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 earn every touchdown. So how many touchdowns can they possibly score? Is my question. Yeah, I don't know if they're a big playoff. They're they're not a big play offense. I don't know if they're a medium play offense. Okay, a lot of times. but I mean like offensively, like take special teams away, take away. Maybe some crazy defensive player. How many times can they actually move the ball into the end zone on Penn State? I Twice. just don't see it. Twice would be. I I I would say over under one and a half. Yeah, I'd probably be a good one and a half over under. Yeah, I'm not sure which way no, I'd go I'm, on that I think either. We're seeing. I think we're seeing the same thing here. And, okay, but also Rutgers is a good road team. Let's not forget that they went on the road to Illinois, beat Illinois, went on the road to Indiana. Okay, I get it. Indiana stinks right now. We beat Indiana. That plays into this for me. I've been to parts of New Jersey. I'd be excited to get on the road sometimes, too, <laughs> so I don't blame them there. Was um, it? Newark Airport. Oh, oh my boy, goodness. Do yeah. not go to that ever. Where Giant Stadium used to be, my God, just put it inside an armpit. It's the same Ugh. thing. Yeah. Um, so here's the deal. I we, think, we, we know Penn State is a more talented team. We think Penn State uh, – has more advantages and just the X's and O's along the lines. All of that stuff is there. It's just that the intangibles are so much in Rutgers' favor. Right. So to me, that kind of falls mm. into kind of just a 
Oh, by the way, 11 o'clock a.m. game, too. I, I think that favors Rutgers as well yeah. because it's just another reason for Penn State and to Happy just, Valley yeah. to just not be quite as electric as, not as, as happy. Penn State fans. So not as happy. So in all honesty, I'm still nervous about Penn State just saying, screw it, let's kick some ass. I know. So I'm not going to make Rutgers in the points my something that I'm going to lock okay. down. Okay, okay. But I've got Penn State 30. Rutgers 14, okay, so just a, a barely Rutgers cover. Under at 44, so that's three points. However, as my Amador Double Barrel of the Week, I, I'm, I'm going to get a little bit unique here. Okay. Shout out to one of our listeners. He knows who he is. I'm going to go the under 24 first half total points. I didn't know we could do that. No, I'm not, it's, <laughs> I, I own half this podcast, so I, we, we did it. So the under 24 first half points is going to be my Amador Double Barrel. Lock of the week. Okay, interesting. Very good. I'm not too far away from you. I do see Penn State winning the game. I see it being maybe a little bit of an ugly struggle, but I could see them, like you said. What if they just decide to run away? But I got Penn State, 27, Rutgers 16, fairly easy. Rutgers covering at 43, another under. All right. That brings us to the 2021 Ice Bowl, the 4 and 6 Illinois Fighting Illini coming into Iowa City to take on the 8 and 2 number 17th ranked Iowa Hawkeyes. This is on FS1, Hawks by 12 and a half, over under 38 and a half, lowest on the book. So Vegas is saying something like a 24 to 13 Hawkeye victory. 59% of the bets are on Illini. This is a 1 o'clock p.m. game. Strange. I love it. It just like the uniqueness, the it brings me back to my older brother playing. There was okay. just a ton of one o'clock games that oh. used to be the normal time. It's awesome. I don't know. It's it's not quite eleven, it's not quite two thirty. And it's kinda cool. It's kinda interesting that I'll get to watch the first half yes. of a ton of games. Then we start our game. Then I'll get to watch the whole second half of. I don't know. I, That's what I, I was going to say. I think part of the intrigue is I, just, I don't know how this is going to feel on Saturday, so I can't wait to see how it how it transpires. I mean, it's kind of fun when you're watching the end of some games and then another one starts and they kind of overlap and yeah. you see the yeah. the evolution of each game. Okay, yeah. Yeah. so I I like that too. So um, again, Brett Bielema not going to be in Iowa City, so head coach will be George. McDonald, wide receiver, wide coach. receiver coach, uh, also assistant head coach. He came from Syracuse. Is at Northern Illinois. I've actually, I've actually had beers with with George before. Nice, I have. That's cool. So he was he. So he played at Illinois, but that's not when I had beers with him. He was a wide receiver back at Illinois. It went, while I was there, okay, at the tail end of my days there, where I think the beginning of his. But when he was coaching at Northern. Northern Illinois, my buddy worked for the athletic department, so I went out with him and nice. a bunch of the people at that department and had beers with George. That's a great story, man. There yeah. You go. Fun times. Nice dude. So like all Illinois games, I don't think this is really any different than most of them. How effective, and I mean this for both teams, how effective can Illinois run the ball? Yeah. I think that's the, okay. the story of this game. Because very good Iowa defense, if Iowa shuts them down running the ball, Game over. Illinois is not going to score more than six points. Again, as what's typical, I'm maybe not quite as pessimistic on the Illinois offense as you are. Like 80% agree with what you just said right there. Mm -hmm. if, if, if we go into this game, if we had one thing that we just knew for a fact, and it was that Illinois would not run for 100 yards, oh. I would run to the bank and yeah. put money on the under. Number one would be the number, yes. would be the number one bet, and I'd probably bet on Iowa. But we don't know that, and why do we not know that? Well, because that's not the world we live in. But also because I'm not in love with the Hawkeye tackling, which is crazy because we've got two linebackers that are at the top of the Big Ten. That is crazy in tackles, but missed tackles have been there. And then in comes the two-headed monster, Chase Brown and Josh McCray. I'm just saying we know what type of game this is going to be so the front seven better have taken it's a completely different ru rushing attack going from minnesota last week to illinois this week it, it it might as well be almost like yeah arena ball to college i don't know something like that um so it, it's completely different but i hope that film shit like they got coached up this week because again what i'm trying to gear the listener to is iowa needs to get up to stop this rushing attack 
this rushing attack has tagged a lot of good rushing defenses. Well, and here's the good and the bad, I guess, for both teams. Minnesota statistically has a better rush defense than Iowa. And Illinois ran on Minnesota very well, but only for like a quarter and a half, maybe the first half. Minnesota adjusted. So did they put something on film there that Iowa can use? So I I don't know. I'm not sure what to think of that. They rushed well, but then they didn't rush well. You know what I mean? And, And I don't know the answer to that. My guess is... There would be more success out of the Illinois rushing attack early as there would be late. And that's typically a thing with Phil Parker defenses. There's an adjustment. Here's another thing I'm a little scared of, afraid of. Zombie Brandy, Brandon Peters. And what I'm talking about is out of nowhere, he starts hitting play action passes. And all of a sudden, uh, his throws are in rhythm and he's delivering well, it. I've what seen he, it. That's what he's done. The I've last... seen it versus Iowa. He did it two games in a row now. He's that He's been that guy. Where he's he's reanimated, and he's he's actually hitting before he ultimately dies by getting hit in the head, <laughs> stake through his heart, whatever you want to say. You know, actually, no, it's a blow to the head. You, it's a blow to the head. That's how you. <laughs> so that's, that's how you kill a zombie, right? So it's it's perfect. I'm not saying that uh, Iowa defenders should go after his head, but you know, if it happens, I'm just kidding. I don't want to see Brandon Peters get. Did you read that? Was that? Book? By the way, I, before I forget, I, I the precise throws and then those. Freaking zone keepers, too. Yes. You're, they're not going to oh, run it all game, but once a half on a third and seven, because mark my words, okay, this game might set a record for how many third and seven plus running plays are called against these two defenses. Yeah. Okay. With these two offenses. Yeah. Okay. That's a just, good Just yeah, throwing that out. Sure. Um, and then another thing, too. I don't know, Juice.0, that they just throw out there at Wildcat or something that they do. They've, they've been idle for two weeks. Beetle's going to pull out the, you know, I know he's not going to be there, but he's well, been a part of the preparation. I wonder if because he's not there, will the will the offensive coordinator open things up a little bit more? Because Do you think so? Bert's you think not there. The, I don't know, just, a, just a thought I just had. It's interesting. Okay. Um, okay, switching over to Iowa. I, 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 I don't want to report this, but basically the thought process is Spencer Petrus is on the table for playing not only playing, but starting in this game. So you're saying there's a chance. I mean, that's the thing is like, it, As, it, it's almost a perfect week for this to happen because I can now ask an Illinois fan, if you if you see Spencer Petras walk out of the, for the first... Are, I will are, be are, cheering. If he, if he takes the first snap, I will feel so good about this game. And you have... You would say that... If they were playing somebody other than Illinois, as far as yeah, like, but I mean, you, but I'm imagining him taking the first snap and the feeling that I would have inside me. Oh my God, we got a yeah. shot! We and I, shot. my thought process is that what the staff is saying, mostly the head coach, is that we believe we can rely on our defense and simply not turning the ball over, and that will be enough. It might be to beat yeah. Illinois, but like. It's not like Padilla has been turning the ball over no. at breakneck speed. There, there was he definitely could have had a pick or two last week. But I'm just saying, like, it's not like he. It's been bad as far as no. the turnovers. But the playmaking has definitely been there. And the other thing too is the the rapport that has been out there has been with Padilla and the younger receivers, yes. and who they've because they've took reps this whole year with the younger receivers right. being at number two. Yeah. They have now officially been at least in the ch- case with Keegan Johnson. He's been elevated to number one. So now if you put Peters in there at number one quarterback, but Keegan Johnson is number one wide receiver. I don't know. I So I got to admit, I'm drinking a little orange Kool-Aid right now. Yeah. And orange oh, Kool-Aid yeah. makes you do crazy things. So there's no no Burt there, which you think it goes against him. But I've seen this Illini team play at their best when there's really no hope, when their back is truly up against the wall. So I don't know. I'm, 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 I'm getting crazy right now. You know, let me hear. It. You know that my favorite. You know how much I love George Costanza. Inside. Absolutely, yeah. One of my favorite episodes. Is he does the opposite. Right. Okay. I'm, I, I'm going to do the opposite. Okay. <laughs> I'm choosing Illinois twenty, Iowa seventeen right. for an easy Illinois cover, and at thirty-seven, that's an under, my friend. And guess what? Yeah. Not only am I choosing Illinois <laughs> to win. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm kind of scared right now. This is my Amador. Double barrel lock of the week. Wow. Illinois. Wow. Plus and the you're points. even wearing like a kind of ratty sweatshirt that George Costanza would wear. Yeah. Yeah. You're pulling it all off. 
Thank you. I got to be honest with you. You just sent chills down my spine. I don't even know who I'm sitting across the table from. Right <laughs> didn't now. expect that, did you? I did not expect that. Um, yikes! All right, I'm, I'm a little uh, stunned here. Okay, I I I, f- I see there's four outcomes in this game. One of them being what you just laid out. You know, just a ugly type of game yeah. that Illinois wins coming off an idle week. Yada yada yada. We didn't even point that out. Idle week. Right. Definitely could see that. I mostly see. I think if. The Petrus thing doesn't happen. Then I have faith that the better passing attack lies with Iowa. We don't know yes. for sure yet if Petrus will start. If Petrus does start and is ineffective, we know Padilla is there to come in. They already proved that versus another Illinois team, Northwestern, two weeks ago. So, like, I feel like most of the things lean towards Iowa doing what it it takes to 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 win the game. With that being said, I don't think it's enough to to cover the twelve points. So I feel pretty yeah. good about Illinois plus yeah. the points. I've got Iowa 23, Illinois 13. So that's a Illinois cover. And at 36 total points, I've got it also under the 38 and a half point total. The Eyes on Big Podcast is sponsored by the Amador Whiskey Company. Our unique process takes the highest quality Kentucky bourbon and finishes in California wine barrels. This double barrel aging technique creates characteristics from the individual barrels that are blended together to make an exceptional whiskey. Perfect sip, neat, or in your favorite bourbon cocktail, Amador is the perfect go-to this fall on game day. Amador Whiskey Company, born in Kentucky, raised in California, and as always, hashtag ask. For Amador. Next game up, the 9-1, number 6-ranked Michigan Wolverines coming into Maryland into the shell to take on the 5-5 five five Terrapins. This is a 2.30 p.m. game on Big Ten Network line. Wolverines by 15, over under 56.5. So Vegas is saying something along the lines of a 35-21 to 21 Wolverines victory. 67% of the bets are on Michigan. Hmm. So two really good offenses here. Obviously, Maryland focusing on the past. Michigan has really become a nice balanced offense. I mean, they you could almost call them an offensive juggernaut at this point. They're pretty darn close. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just, will that stick? Because, you know, they weren't a juggernaut early in the year. They were running the ball, but if they were one dimensional, have, have they have they evolved enough where this is Michigan? As far as. Running the ball, I mean, you definitely still, and I we we don't know about Blake Corum. If I had to take a guess, I don't think he'll play in this game because yeah. they no, probably so. feel like they can pull out the victory and save him for the Ohio State game. We still believe this is a Michigan team that it it is a run first type of offense. But what you're saying is there's more to it that we can say it's a balance attack than what we certainly thought five or six weeks. Well, ago. Well, yeah, I mean, even a. a, a Two-dimensional offense, even if it's just average in both, I would take that over some an offense that's just good at one. Uh, like, absolutely. For instance, Maryland, really they're a passing team, right? Yep. Tua Tunga or Tua Tunga Vailoa is the passing leader in the Big Ten run. Thirty-one hundred yards, he's already broken. Yep, crazy. So we know what they're going to do. What's Michigan going to do on offense? Right. There, we, it's a it's a question, right? Here's another question: How does Maryland? keep finding themselves in this position where they're a scary team to play. Uh, Iowa has to go play Maryland on a Friday night in the shell. It was a scary game last week for Michigan state to play Maryland. Now Michigan, now Michigan goes into the shell after playing Penn state last week, Ohio state next week. Now they have got Maryland. Every time somebody plays Maryland, it's a they're good enough to get you, but not good enough to get your team up. It's a butthole pocketing yeah. thing. It is. It, it <laughs> okay. always is when you play. Maryland. It is. But I think the big reason for that is because they're so talented. Right. That, I, I mean, I meant that in with the the dangerous that they you know that they uh, provide right. on like, offense. Even though they're only five and five, you look at just all the like highly recruited guys and and guys that are playing great too. Right. Like they've got studs on both sides of the ball. So when you have a team like Maryland that's like kind of a what do we got to lose in this game, that's great. But you also have to have talent to come through with the aggressive game right. plan. They have that. That's why it's a scary game. And here's another thing, too. Like, there's times where a lot of coaches get into big game situations. I'm not saying this is a big game. I'm saying we would love to get the victory because it would be a big victory is, is the better way of putting it. And they're like, you know what? Let's play it close to the vest. That is not in Lox's DNA. Lox no, is like, let's just bomb not. them. Let's bomb them, baby. 
So that's why Locks will never play to not lose. No, he will always be playing to win, which is a compliment. It well, kind of. Okay, there's times. which gets into my next. He point. would never say punting is winning, which is a flaw <laughs> in his personality. So that it, maybe that's why we've been so hard on Locks is that reason right there. And, and no kicking field goals. Um, but maybe that's because, or or maybe because of that is what I should say. That's why the Terps, they not only lose versus big, really good opponents, they get destroyed. <laughs> yeah. They have gotten blown away. Iowa, Ohio State, well, they, to a certain degree, not so bad. Michigan State. Well, I was going to say, Michigan State, I wouldn't call it a blowout. But that but, was coming off the Purdue loss. And, bef- you know, like that was but before Michigan Ohio State. But Michigan State was in control okay. for the whole game. Right. But that's the closest we've seen Maryland really like they we played, haven't seen they played Penn State close okay that's true but I would not put Penn State up in that echelon yo that's you know? that's fair okay, okay. um I, I don't believe we've seen Maryland play a 28 to 27 stunner you know thriller is what I should say they did against Indiana <laughs> and that's not a compliment but that's right okay so then you balance it with khaki pants Many, many times I have thought the best way, God, as I say this in my head, I'm already thinking like me saying this out loud, out loud will then, you know, bite me in the ass. But many, many times I have looked at Michigan before they play Ohio State. And I'm like, this is going to be easy money. Take the other team because they're going to be distracted sure. going into playing Ohio State. It was Indiana two years ago, I believe. And you know what they did to Indiana? They took them back behind the woodshed right. and spanked that Heine. In fact, these types of games, you can get on khaki pants for a lot of stuff. Not this type. This is when, yeah. for whatever reason, it's like they view it as a live scrimmage and they just go to town. That's what khaki pants is known for in these type of games. Yeah, and and I think khaki pants gets his team ready to play. And I, I mean, another. this is kind of like one of those Purdue defensive things. I, I cannot believe how good the coaching has been this year on both sides for, for sure. Michigan. It for is sure. impressive. I was really skeptical when they made their offseason, you know, offensive changes, quote unquote. And they, you know, you need to get rid of Don Brown. But I just wasn't in love with the defensive hire. But they have done a fantastic job. So I Way agree. Better. I think it is they are going to come ready to play. I don't think they're going to be looking ahead. Okay. But with that said, there's just so much talent on Maryland. So I don't th- I don't see a blowout either. I just see kind of kind of like the Michigan State game. Michigan's in control, ends up winning comfortably, but not a blowout. Michigan 33, Maryland 20. Ooh. So that's a Maryland cover. Okay. And at 53, that's another under, sir. Wow, yeah, we're not too far away. Same kind of thing. Like I think this would maybe be a situation where Michigan races out to like a 21 to three type of lead. And then a little bit of a coasting situation happens there. Maryland comes back because they're going to keep bombing away. Okay. But in the end, I've got Michigan 34, Maryland 17. So at 51 points total, that is under the 56 and a half. And that's a Michigan cover, but not, not by a whole bunch, not by a whole bunch. That's only a two point cover. All right. Next game up. Maybe again, you have to be a big 10 nerd, but this is an intriguing game to me. Three and seven, Nebraska Cornhuskers coming into Cheeseland to take on the seven and three, number 15 ranked Wisconsin Badgers, 2.30 p.m. game on ABC. Typically this late in the year, when you have an ABC game, it does not involve a team with seven losses. No. It's a unique thing to me. Especially against a team with seven wins. I mean, it just doesn't even really <laughs> doesn't add compute. Up. Usually more than 10 wins, it would be, you would yeah. think, would be the case. The line is Badgers by nine and a half. That thing has danced all around. It's been up. It's been down. It's been back up. Over under 42. So Vegas is saying a 25 to 16 Badgers win. 63% of the bets are on Wisconsin. Yeah, so this is an intriguing game because we know that Nebraska has a good defense. And you know what? They did such a great job against Kenneth Walker, and they did a good job against Travion Henderson, too. So can they can they pull it off here and do a good job against Braylon Allen? So my guess is so you're getting right to the heart of it. My guess is th- that's why this line started at 10 and a half, 11 and went all the way down to eight and a half. I saw mm. one as low as eight and a half before it went back up to nine and a half. My guess is 
it's a combination of savvy college football fans and Nebraska fans that sit there and say, now, wait a second. Our defense is pretty darn good, and it's especially pretty darn good at limiting big plays and shutting down opposing rushing attacks. If we know, the second time I guess I'll use this in the podcast, if we knew going into this game that Nebraska's defense would do a fantastic job limiting Wisconsin's rushing attack, I'm again going to the rushing to the betting window uh, and putting in a large bet on the under in this game. Because if you if Nebraska can do that, if they can take away the rushing attack mm-hmm. from Wisconsin, yeah. I don't know where the points are going to come at in this game either. Yeah, so um, here's one thing that came to mind for me. Wisconsin, obviously great at stopping the run also, right? Yep. I mean, better than Nebraska. But this is a little bit different Nebraska offense when it comes to rushing the ball. Yep. But And that comes from 2 a.m. But 2 a.m., how healthy is he still? Yep. Don't know. So I don't know. I'm not sure what to think of that. I know. And if you look up the stats <clears throat> since 2018, when, uh, since uh, Scott Frost has been at Nebraska, they've had a lot of success rushing the ball versus this Wisconsin defense. Hmm. Not this specific Wisconsin defense, because this specific Wisconsin defense in 2021 is an absolute juggernaut. So combination of, yeah, but is this as good of a rushing attack for Nebraska as we've seen in the past? I don't think so. But this, you know, Wisconsin defense... so. So good. That is what is bouncing around in my head for when was uh, Nebraska has the ball. Like that is what's okay. intriguing to me. Okay. Now, when Wisconsin has the ball, this is what's intriguing to me. You can't always just say, "Well, you know, last year it doesn't really translate to this year." But the, Nebraska has a horrible history of trying to stop Wisconsin running. I mean, horrible. I understand that. There's got to be something to that. There has to be something to that. I mean, I mean the 500 the, yards. Right. I mean, multiple that's, pre, times. that's pre-Scott Frost and I get Eric Janander. It. So I, it's hard to kind of compute that. But but how you can't ignore that. Here's something else you can't ignore. What are we going to get out of Nebraska here? I mean, well, with, what, fire what, four of their coaches. What are we going to get with the, the offense? Period. Like, we don't, they're, they're not going to. They're not going to look totally different. They're not going to come out and run a. Iowa zone blocking scheme, no, play but, action offense. But who's like, coaching going, the offensive line? Who's coaching the running backs? Who's coaching? By the, the way, receiver? coaching the running backs is Ron Brown. We were yeah, wrong on the that, last whatever. podcast. We thought, you know, we said GA or something like that. Ron Brown has got a Long history yeah. of of coaching running backs, and quite honestly, I think they've took a step up from a certain player uh, comments this week. So Ron Brown is a very yeah. good running back coach. I, they might not only not drop off; they might, you know, uh, get a, a an advantage there. But again. What are we expecting out of just Nebraska psyche? Now, I don't believe when the lights come on that the Nebraska team and the coaches are like, eh, we're just really building towards 2022. No. They're going to want to win this game. My question is, if they're kind of getting whooped, because that's what Wisconsin defense does, by the way, if they're kind of getting whooped and it's 10-0 early, that's when I would be nervous as a – Nebraska better on what you expect to see out of the rest of that game. Yeah. 10, nothing going into the second quarter. Wisconsin's up. You're not feeling really confident. I would think as a Nebraska better. Well, no, I would, I, I can't get out of that. With that being said to, to dance on two sides of the fence, if it's three, nothing at the end of the first quarter and Wisconsin hardly has any offense because Nebraska is doing such a good job of limiting Braylon Allen. I'm not confident as a Wisconsin better at that point. Mm. Yeah. But I don't know. I, I th- this is my intrigue. I'm going to make a prediction because that's what we do. It, it's I'm I'm I don't know what to expect out of this uh, game. Yeah, I don't either. But one thing I'm I'm I wouldn't say confidence, but I'm starting to gain a little bit in Graham Mertz. Okay. So I think that could that's looking bad for Nebraska. I'm gonna go ahead and give my prediction here. Wisconsin twenty seven, Nebraska fourteen. Okay. So that's Wisconsin covering at 41. That's barely an under. Okay. Another under. Another under. Um, Yeah, so I think I just articulated as best I could that I don't feel extremely confident one way or the other what to expect in this game. The one thing that I can confidently say, though, is that Wisconsin comes into this game hotter than hell. So I'm just going to ride the team that is hot. This will be my second 23-13 to 
contested game. I, that was the same score pre- predicted for Iowa, Illinois. So I'm going to say Wisconsin 23, Nebraska 13. That's a that's a very slim Nebraska cover, and at 36 points, yeah, it's another under. Yeah. Next game up, the six and four Minnesota Golden Gophers going on the road to take on the two and eight Indiana Hoosiers. Two thirty p.m. game on Big Ten Network line Gophers by seven, over under forty three. So Vegas is saying something like a twenty five to eighteen Gophers win. Ninety two percent of the bets are on the visiting Gophers. Interesting. Wow, ninety two percent. Yeah, uh, I'm. I'm betting. So what with- we have here. For the second weekend in a row, is Vegas is still giving Indiana credit? I don't. But the public is no, like, screw that. I don't. That's how I read it. That's how I read it too. And that line shocked me. I mean, Indiana, they can't run, they can't pass. Their defense is just blah, I guess at best. I mean, Minnesota, I still trust their running game. Yeah, their passing game is a lot to be desired, but then good defense. How does Indiana score in this game? So I started looking up stats because you're. Your brain's going right where I was. So obviously we know Indiana got destroyed by Rutgers last week, predominantly off of turnovers. You take turnovers okay, away, yeah. they don't get beat quite as bad. Okay. But there's, I still don't think they win the game. But also they've got a freshman quarterback. They're going to have turnovers. That's a good point too. So it's not like you can just say, well, we're not going to turn right. the ball over this yeah. yeah. Um. So I started looking up. It's like, we know the offense is limited. I just cannot see this Indiana offense lighten it up at any point from now till the end of the year. So then I started looking into the de- the defense. I mean, they have dropped like a rock. They're 63, yeah. 63rd in total defense right now, 57th in rush defense. So they're giving up 143 yards a game. In comes this Minnesota offensive line. I mean, they made Iowa look like a just okay front seven yeah. last week versus a Hoosier def- front seven that it's just not there. It's not yeah. as, it's not bad it's just not as nearly as good as what we thought it was going to be and the other thing is just the iu the psyche of the iu team in general they're a beaten dog right they are now. how could they they're they can't bust a grape at all no right now i have zero confidence in that team yeah i just don't think they're going to come out with any I don't think tenacity and intensity no. no it it's sad because you never like to see a team just lose it's like literally will to compete but right that's what it seems I like think so we have right now Switching over to Minnesota, I mean, they took a shot in the pills last week, right? <laughs> I mean, losing the, losing the game the way it was versus Iowa. So that is the biggest thing that you would be nervous about is is tough loss last week, second week, too, that they've gone on the road. Certainly going down to Iowa City from Minnesota is not a big trip. But, you know, now you got to fly out to Indiana that could play into it a little bit. I too. guess so, but I think Minnesota at six and four, four and three. I feel like they still got a lot to play for. Okay, here. okay. I think they haven't lost their mojo. I think they will come. They've with lost them. a little mojo because, like, the chances of them getting to Indianapolis are basically well. Zero. No, I know, but but look, if you win eight games, if you go eight and four, don't you think that's a pretty successful season? One hundred percent. Like, you know, trying to get Gopher fans excited here. You win this week and next week. And when your bowl game to finish nine and four oh with the axe, every Minnesota fan would have took that right. at the beginning of the year. So and that to me is what you're playing for. Get the win this week, go on to next week feeling confident so that you can, you know, convince yourself that you can take the axe away from Wisconsin. By the way, I mean, Minnesota, we talked about the, the struggling Indiana offense. Minnesota is seventh in total defense in the country. Seventh in the country. <laughs> That's a good defense, Holy man. Crap. Obviously, the offense they've played is is definitely played into that. Um, worth mentioning, but probably not at the same time. I mean, there's general heat right now coming from Gopher Nation to take a look at a different quarterback. Like it's not just coming from yeah. hinted at by the Eyes on Big Podcast. So, I've seen a lot of heavy hitters in the Gopher media talking okay. about it. Let's see. Let's say if this plays out in the first half, like Vegas says it's going to, a very close game, I could definitely see Attic set coming out in the second half. But Minnesota fans would not agree with that because they believe, and I respect this, there's a special relationship between Peach and, and Tanner Morgan, and he's just going to ride him out. I will say this, okay? This is the thing that I would say. This is what I've thought about as the week goes on. Goes on. Going into Wisconsin to play that defense. Would you want to play Zach Anistead, who's rusty and hasn't thrown a pass, or would you rather go with 
the guy that's been playing all year and has gone against the Wisconsin defense several times in Tanner Morgan. I mean, I'd go with Tanner Morgan, okay. but if if Anikstead plays in the second half, he can knock a little of that rust off. Okay. It's interesting. It depends how it looks, I guess. You see what I'm getting at, right? Yeah. Like, you want to do what you like think is... Like, it's too late. It's too late, basically. It's a little too late, especially with Wisconsin coming next week, is right. what I'm saying. Okay, so, well, okay. I don't think it's going to play out like that. I think right. it's an easy Minnesota win. I was really debating this being my Amador double lock, double barrel lock of the week. In fact, it was going to be, but then I took another sip of that orange Kool-Aid, and I just I got delirious. I think Minnesota wins. I think they win easy. Minnesota 31, IU 9, and at 40, that's an under. So easy Minnesota cover. Okay. I'm not too far off. I'm a little bit closer. I've got Minnesota 24, Indiana 13. I could have gone with my third 23-13 game. I thought about it. But I think Minnesota has the ability to score a little bit more points here on what would wind up being a close game, but – there just isn't enough there for Indiana's offense so that just having the ball possessing it so much will result in more points for Minnesota. Not so much that their offense looks good. I don't know if that makes sense, but yeah, 24 to 13, that's a Minnesota cover. And at 37 points, that's under the 43. All right. Last game on the docket, the big 10 game of the week. Number seven ranked Michigan state nine and one. Going into the horseshoe to play the 9-1, number four ranked Ohio State Buckeyes. This is an 11 o'clock a.m. game on ABC. Game day will be in town. The Buckeyes are favored by 19 over under a robust 68.5. So Vegas is saying 44 to 24 Buckeyes. 81% of the bets are on Sparty. Ooh. Side note here. Okay. Got some fun stuff here. All right. So we're going to do something a little fun here, okay? Um, we're going to do a – we're going to throw out a, a, a little little contest for the listeners. Okay? Oh, okay. Eyes yeah. on big listeners. Right. So, we discussed this. Yeah. Yep. So we've got we've got the meeting of the minds here. Okay, we're going to go with Dustin Schutte, Saturday tradition. Okay. We're going to go with Mr. Ohio, obviously an Ohio State okay. fan. Standing room, Spartans. Of course. Big Kurt and myself. So each one of us are going to pull together the total passing yards – in mm. this game. Oh, okay? okay. So total up what you think Ohio State's going to score or for have passing yards, what you think Michigan State's going to have for passing yards. We're going to okay. use that as a, a t- potential p- tiebreaker, okay? Okay. We're then going to aggregate our all of us people that I just named there, okay. and that's going to be our number, okay? Then we're going to toss it out to the Eyes on Big listeners. If you can beat us, if you can get closer to what the actual total is, Amador is going to send you a free Amador hat and Amador tumbler, but you got to beat the meeting of the minds. Okay, so I'm trying to understand. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. Okay, so each of us, each of us five, yep. is it five people I yep, think you five. remain? Yep. Okay, we each pick the total passing yards in the game. Yep. Then we average them between Those the five. five. Okay. And That's then the number you, we're going with. So if you can get closer to the actual number than, than the aggregate of us. Right? Okay, I get like it. it. I get it. I like it. All right, there like it is. It. That'll be well, fun. Details on Twitter to, to follow soon. All right. Uh, well, you started out. Where do you want to go first? Well, this is the kind of game that the public wants, right? They want an offensive juggernaut versus an offensive juggernaut. They want to see points. They want to see a high total. So would you say 68 and a half we're up to now? Yep. 68 and a half. It's, it's going to be a ton of passing. I mean, they both can run too, but not. I mean, it's well, like, I mean, Michigan State can run really well. Well, Ohio State can run really That's well. That's true too. I mean, but there's good offenses on both sides. I my point is, I think offense is the reason why they're both coming to this game nine and one predominantly. Yeah, and the defense is, mm, I'm not going to say they're bad, but they're leaky. Well, <laughs> they're leaky. Okay. I mean, that's part of the reason. I mean, the joke I was going to make is, you know, obviously we're having this contest because obviously the Big Ten is a passing league. Yeah, right? yeah, well, yeah. Duh. Yeah. Well, part of the reason we were making this is that, I mean, Michigan State isn't just leaky. The wall has <laughs> what, fallen down. Okay, so it's know? not just like yeah. the... It's broke know? through the sheetrock. Yes. It is dumping into the guest bedroom. They are last in the country. 130 out of 130 for passing yards allowed, giving up 320 They're yards. They're last in the country? Yeah, I, looked, I, I thought I'd heard it. I, I confirmed. Going <laughs> against this Ohio State offense that... Is not just a juggernaut. It's it's getting up into the wow. historical Ohio State offenses, especially with the passing attack. 
if there's anything less than points galore, I'll be, I'll actually, I know I'm not this type of guy. I know you're not either. I'll actually be kind of disappointed if we don't have yeah. just, just passes going everywhere. Well, here. I mean, just the fact that Chris Olave is third in receiving yards on the Buckeyes, that just shows you how incredibly good they are. I mean, and I'm curious on that. I would be lo- I would love to talk to the Ohio State uh, uh, offensive staff. Is Olave third because teams are just still to this day trying to take Olave away, probably, and taking their chances with JSN and Garrett Wilson? <laughs> yeah, good I luck. Mean, with that good be- luck with that. And here's here is something that I've thought about. So so then you start looking at it from a Michigan State defensive side. Like, what do you do? Okay, kind of was was. Uh, spitballing with standing room Spartans and DMs as well. So here's the couple things that we kind of came up with. Okay. Does Michigan state entertain the Northwestern approach? Literally drop eight guys in coverage often and just say, Travion, you I, go get yours. I, I don't think that's going to work. I, I'm not, well, it's not going to work. Okay. So it, say, what do you, it's what's going to be the lesser of two evils basically is what you're right. saying here. Do you want to get shot in the leg or stabbed in the leg? I mean, you're going to choose stab. Yeah. So that is my thought process. That's one side. So you just, yeah, you kind of shorten the game a little bit, you know, shrink the points down, give yourself a little bit more of a chance. Well, and then it's two things. Okay. That, and then the second thing that is most important to me from the Michigan State defense. Okay. They're going to, Ohio State's going to get their yards. Okay. Oh, yeah. But there is a big difference to me in allowing a 50 yard pass for a touchdown or a 40-yard pass that you push the guy out at the 10 and then make Ohio State score the touchdowns inside the okay. red zone. Okay, and we've seen that they've struggled doing that okay. at times, especially Penn State. Now, Penn State's really good at that, but they struggled in that game to do that. But what I'm saying is maybe you don't drop eight or nine, but you consistently drop seven. Maybe every now and then you get lucky because this is a Michigan State front seven defensive line that can get to the quarterback. So maybe every now and yeah, then Panashuk is still out. Yeah, uh, no, he's, he? uh, no, he's playing. Oh, is so okay. then maybe every now and then you get lucky with a three or four man rush that rush that you get to a freshman quarterback and you can get him to third and seventeen. Yep. Okay. With that being said, if that doesn't happen, the number one thing you don't do is allow that big over the top touchdown. Keep nickel back out there. The nickel back out there have several D backs in the game. Most of the time angles, baby angles, push them out, get them out of it and, and force them to score from inside the red zone. And just know that your angle is going to be a little different than against most teams. <laughs> don't forget is. that on the other side. Okay. Cause we're, we don't have like, this will probably come off as a, crapping on the defenses, but I really would prefer it to come off as these offenses are dynamic and fun to watch. I don't think Ohio state's front seven is championship level. Okay. Their offense is so good that the team is championship level. I I feel like this is the best rushing attack that Ohio state has seen since another green team came into, into the horseshoe yeah. with Oregon. That's I so, guess it's true. Like, are we going to see our guy? All right. Is he is Kenny gonna? Oh boy, uh, dude! Like, yeah, I could see that. And then if Ohio State says we are going to make, you know, the the passing attack beat us, does it flip? Now this defense puts eight or nine guys into the box to do whatever they can to stop Kenny Walker, and then put the wow. the, the pressure on the quarterback on Peyton Thorne. Which and and I trust Peyton Thorne to. I do to too. Slice up this defense. I mean, we're gonna see a flea flicker, right? Definitely a flea flicker. By the way, that's probably why we've seen so many flea flickers because so many teams have put eight or nine guys in the box to try to to break Kenny Walker. By the way, that works with Kenny Walker until it doesn't, and he makes two guys miss, and then he's eighty-eight out the gate, and he's good at that. I just see a lot of points in this game. No, I and it's not definitely. my type of game, but with it starting at eleven o'clock. I'm hoping that the points start early because this will be delegated to TV number two by the time the Iowa Illinois game starts. I hope we got fireworks right from the start. Is what I'm saying. Okay, so we're still at a 19 point spread here. Yep, Ohio State 19. Yep. Hmm. Yeah, I got it really close to that. Okay, so I'm going Ohio State 45, Michigan State 27. So that's 18 points. So that's a Michigan State cover. Okay, but it's 72 points. That's an over, my friend. 
Well, we're close, but not quite the same. Um, in the end, bef- before I put my erroneous Amador Double Barrel Lock of the Week on Purdue last week, right as I was, you know, putting it down official in ink, I'm like, should I, should I be betting against Ohio State right now? That was the thought in my head. This, this is maybe that's just dumb. Just don't do that. Might be at this point. So I'm just not going to do that yeah. this week. I, I, I think they can score. I think they can score 35 points getting off the bus. And and to be honest with you, maybe into the 50s this week. So I'm going to go just south of that. Okay, I'm going to say Ohio State 49, okay. Michigan State 24. So that okay. is an Ohio State cover. And at 73 points, this is my only over of the week. Okay, all right. Yeah, there it is. Two of them, I think. Me? I did. I only had one. One, two. I kept, once I realized I had all but one going under, I was like, I got to go back and look at this. I just could not find no, I know. a place to go over. So this is the only one that yeah. I go over. I had two. Our first game, Purdue yeah. Northwestern, and our last game, Michigan State, Ohio State, both over. There you go. Um, and when it comes to Saturday at 1 o'clock, may the best team win. Good luck to your Hawkeyes. We've That's what I say to put a hex on the other team. Yeah. I said that to to Ryan Burns, even though I didn't mean it that way. But it worked I know, out like But that. I looked at, the way he looked at me, I'm like, he thinks I'm effing with him here. Yeah. Like, I was really just saying good no. luck. He just maybe doesn't know you enough to know how that works. Well, but, yeah, he um, gave me a I, look. I, I'll be honest with you. You, you, you sent shivers down my spine when you picked Illinois to win. I, 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 it's going to take me 48 hours to, to really fathom I will that. do and, and the opposite. Um. We've never recorded a podcast after Illinois beaten Iowa. It has not happened yet. No. So if it happens, well, maybe then maybe I'll be. It'll be the Elaine George, where I come down as a beaten down person that wonders what right. happened, and then you're the one that's peppy. Yeah. That would that would be an interesting yep. podcast. Hope to God that's not what we have happened. But hey, man, I will say this: if Illinois or if I was going to win. Or excuse me, if I was going to lose a contest that I don't want them to, Illinois is as good as anybody. Just sure, to- might as well be. Yeah. Why not? I hope not. But anything else? No, sir. I'm Jeffrey the Greek. I'm Big Kurt. This has been the Eyes on Big Cop Podcast. We'll talk to you soon.